<laughs> Good morning, Lake Church. Y'all didn't think y'all'd see me again, did you? <laughs> well, this morning <clears throat> we're gonna have some time with Christy and Daniel Greenwood. Yes. Uh, Christy and Daniel are elders of the church, if you didn't know. They serve in the youth and in the children's ministry. They're a huge part of the church. They're a great support to Pastor Greg and Pastor Karen in their role as elders. Uh, they're great people, and I love Daniel's laugh. <laughs> yeah, he starts laughing, I start laughing, so... Um, so we're going we're gonna to continue with Train Family this morning. So we're going to get to know the Greenwoods a little bit. We're going to get to know their family. But mostly we're going to get to know the testimony and witness of Jesus in their life and in their marriage and in their family and how he has been faithful and true to them through everything. So I'll let you guys tell us a little bit about yourself and your you family. Start? I guess I'll start. Christy's nervous about talking. I'm, I'm more nervous about what I might say. <laughs> and uh, so I guess, I guess basic, went to school, went to church, just an ordinary kid that everybody thought that was just ordinary, you know, was raised in, I guess, kind of our main church. I was actually was kind of a charismatic church. Unfortunately, it's not, it's not a charismatic church anymore because legalism got in, but anyhow. <laughs> But uh, we were there for many years, you know, heard people speaking in tongues, didn't understand really what was going on. I never honestly went to children's church because I had to be by my mama's side all the time. So I sit in main service all the time, took some good naps. Dodie Maggard would wake me up sometimes, slap me on the head. But uh, I don't know where that came from, but uh, play with my toys. So I think... So, you know, a lot of people go, oh, you went to church all the time, so you probably got a lot of biblical knowledge wrong. <laughs> so, you, you know, that's probably, probably my main aspect. like, oh, I've been in church my whole life, but I didn't really obtain anything during those, I just say, my remembrance of five years old to at least into my 20s when we, when we kind of transferred to another church that was steeped into more legalism. So that makes things even worse sometimes. But then we'll, I'll let her go next because yeah. <laughs> I got a lot. I can, I can talk nonstop. <laughs> about her. I think it's important that we hear about our upbringing because it helps people to identify with those of us who were brought up in church and those of us who were brought up in church and, and how that affected us uh, through our life and, and good or bad. So I was raised um, Methodist. My whole life in church, we um, we were taught Bible stories, but not so much how to apply them when um, when troubles came our way. And so, um, I've been saved my whole life, but. Um, when I was 16, my parents divorced, and that was pretty much the end of us, you know, going to church. Um, and so after that, I definitely just went by the way of the world and not, um, instead of continuing to grow, it was a major backslide for quite some time. Uh, Daniel and I met, uh, I was 21, he was 24. Uh, at Nordam, and we had a, a lady that worked for him that played matchmaker <laughs> uh, and got us together. How long have you been married? We've been married for 21 years now. And probably really married 10, uh, 10 of those years, probably really. <laughs> Of happy, the only ones of, that count. well, I would not say ten years. I, I I'd probably have to say at least in our marriage. I'd probably have to say I I wasn't really there probably mentally the first ten years, eleven years. Yeah, you know immaturity, 
mental illness. I faced mental illness that most people don't even know. My own family members didn't know about it. My mom's never known about it. Christy didn't know about it. You know, I was tormented. I don't know. I, I kind of was going to say this for later, but I was tormented my whole life by the things that I see in the spirit realm because I see demons like I see you all and I see them all the time. But see, since I didn't have no knowledge of the word, I, I couldn't distinguish between the difference between angels and demons. Because if anyone thinks in here believes that angels are these beautiful winged creatures, they are not. If you get into your Bible, you can straight just go to Ezekiel and say, man, I saw an angel that just had, wing, had eyeballs everywhere. That's weird. That, that will freak you out as a 10, 11-year-old child that got open to a world of... Uh, maybe we'll go this different direction, but later, but I just, that was my deal. I was in a state of mental illness Mm -hmm. that I didn't know how to interact with anybody. Mm -hmm. And it really drove me. I don't think most people don't even know this about me. It it drove me into, I kind of got into a, I'll just say it, a neo-Nazi music little phase there. And it wasn't that I didn't like, other people or other cultures or other different ethnic groups. I just hated people, everybody, everybody, yeah. every, I mean, everybody, because what I saw is what is what my problem was, was that without having biblical knowledge. And I guess at that time, the baptism of the Holy spirit was, or even knowledgeable teachers to teach me as I got into the fact where I saw your demon and the things that it made you do, I identified you just as much as the demon. So instead of me hating the demon or the spirit, I hated the person. And until I could actually grow into that, I didn't trust nobody because I saw their weaknesses. And when you have this gifting, sometimes you can use it to manipulate people Mm -hmm. because I can manipulate you because I know what your weakness is. Mm -hmm. And it's not like I see everything all the time. So don't think I'm some mind reader. That's not how the Holy Spirit works. It gives you insight to what you need to see. But my, this was a, I guess a blessing. I I felt like, you know, originally it was a curse Mm -hmm. because when you walk in, when you live in a world that is not reality to everybody else, Mm -hmm. you don't know what is reality. Mm -hmm. Well, and when you have a gift that exceeds your level of maturity. Yeah. My character was definitely, yes. You're definitely not there in character. So you can, you can be, you know, the, the spiritual gifts are irrevocable. Mm-hmm. So you but, got married and you were still uh, suffering oh, uh, yeah. and, and trying to navigate a marriage and a family. Yeah. And I was raised, my mom, like I said, my mom took me to church. My dad loved working seven days a, seven days a week. So he became, you know, workaholic. So what I realized through my marriage is when you get married as a husband, your first natural instinct, especially for me, because you mimic what you see. And it was just straight up, I need to be a provider. And it didn't, you know, and you, once you have kids, once you have kids, you, marriage is easy when you, without kids, you add a, one kid into the mix, it's going to, it gets hard. Yeah. Second, third, fourth, it even gets even crazier. Mm-hmm. And I just got into a mentality of like, I told myself, here's one thing, never say never. Cause when you say never, you, I can almost guarantee it's going to happen. <laughs> yeah. I told my dad, I'm never going to work seven days a week like you. Well, next thing you know, I'm working like mm-hmm. seven, 15 to, or 19 hour days a lot of times. Mm-hmm. And it just, yeah. I thought I was doing my godly, manly mm-hmm. thing as be a provider, be a provider. Mm-hmm. And which left Christy, Which left Christy to, alone with the kids. How did how did you navigate that? So we got married, um, lived a very worldly lifestyle with our friends. Um, finally, um, once we had Cole, our oldest, he's nineteen now. Um, we knew just from having the foundation ourselves that um, church was Jesus. We wanted for our children also. And so we started going to church um, with Daniel's mom and dad. And um, I think it was mainly just for so we could have Cole (laughs) in a church. 
it wasn't necessarily, and it was, it was the same. It was not a spirit-filled church. It was a Bible-teaching church. You would go, and you would hear the parable or whatnot, and then you would leave and continue on your <laughs> worldly week. And so um, that led to us. We had Cole and Nora pretty close together. Nora is 16. And um, once he started working more and more, it was me taking the kids to church because he was working on Sundays. It's not necessary (laughs) if it keeps you from Jesus. (laughs) Um, Luckily, um, from having kids and them getting into school in sports, one day Daniel was invited to Lake Church. Um, So we thought, well, what the heck? Because we weren't doing anything at that time. And so... um, We had nothing else better going on on a Sunday, I guess. (laughs) That's how the Holy Spirit works. The Holy Spirit will bring somebody. It was a former elder that was here. He's not here no more, but sometimes God works... Mm -hmm. In mysterious ways. That was about 13 years ago. Um, And I think it was just, it was very timely and um, really started to help mature us um, as a couple and definitely um, in our spirit. So your marriage had started to decline. Mm -hmm. Your relationship was in an ever-increasing uh, spiral of <laughs> uh, separation. You guys were mm-hmm. um, having a lot of problems and a lot of issues. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We uh, thought five hours at the bar and grill for a Sunday fun day was going to be a lot more beneficial to us than two hours at church, and mm-hmm. it's not. Yeah. So, um, and I think not not even beneficial it it really started to um create more problems because when you're at the bar and grill you're not with people that care yeah about your marriage or your spiritual growth or just once for a good time unfortunately (laughs) and i think that led to the point like i said you know we thought we was really Hanging out, and I, and I, you know, here's here's a here's here's something I just learned over through our marriage was probably a victim mentality. That's what I had. I had the victim mentality of like I was, I wasn't really my dad. We weren't really affectionate. It was, you know, you gotta be tough, you gotta be strong, you're militant, you can't show weakness. That's what makes us men. You know, it if you if you cry, you're weak, and so. You know, her love language at the time was affection and holding hands and cuddling. And I'm like, God, like, (laughs) man, I love you. That's good enough. I love you. I love you. But, you know, we can speak words, but without actions, they mean nothing. So we kind of went through, uh, I think, just a phase of. You know, when you're not there, you're not there. When I got home, I didn't want to spend no time because she's like, let's go out on the lake. I'm like, I've been at the lake all weekend working. I don't want to be there. So I just, I think I checked out. I know she probably, obviously, definitely checked checked out. out. Checked out, out. (laughs) And, And I think I finally just had an awakening. You know, that's where the Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit speaks to you. You think it's that we we honestly think it's this godly voice of Daniel. Treat your wife good. No, that's not how it works. Me, me, it's sarcasm because I'm a pretty sarcastic guy. And that's how I dealt with a lot of my mental illness was just be the jokester so everyone thinks you're good. But my voice is just like, you know you should be home. You know you don't need to work seven days a week. You know the money that you make extra, you're just blowing. Because that's what we'd usually do. Like, oh, let's take the family and let's go eat a $100 meal. You're like, oh, I just worked all day to make $100. Why did I just not, you know. And the Holy Spirit, usually that's your inward speaking in your voice, you know, especially if you're married. when you're, That inner voice says, don't say that, don't say that. And the next thing you know, you're vomiting stupid stuff out your mouth. And that doesn't help. That flame to the fire. But 
I think eventually, you know, the Holy Spirit, I think you brought it up last week, the Holy Spirit will always, it'll use whatever you're doing in the darkness, the Holy Spirit will reveal to the, in the light. And it revealed something, things that were going on personally in her life. And it was definitely more speaking to me because, you know, the Holy Spirit it should be your first advocate that speaks to you. You know, it's like if I can't, you know, the, the pills I have to take and ingest of the word, you know, before I minister that, I've had to take that and walk through it. And I think we went through a year. It was about, what, a year? We finally, she checked out. It was a year. We were not intimate at all. And that really puts a a wedge into something, and and I was still battling with mental illness because I still just didn't know the reality. I used to call Pastor Greg at eight fifteen. When I say I call Pastor Greg at eight fifteen every single morning, is not a lie because I had to hear his voice not to kill myself. Because I thought of killing myself multiple times. Unfortunately, if you really want to kill yourself easily, you can do it if you're really good at. That sounds bad, but if you really want to kill yourself, you'll kill yourself. And I think that's just for someone, if you're, if you feel like your kids are going to commit suicide or if you're living in that fear, they're going to do it no matter what. I don't know why I'm just saying that, but sometimes we live in such of a fear of like, man, I, you can't, you can't wrangle, you can't watch your kids 24 seven. You just got to have a, you have to have a knowing in the Holy Spirit is going to yeah. guide them and protect them yeah. to give them a word. Cause my, my, at an older age, the only thing that kept me alive was my kids colonor at the time that was it that was it and i got into as a kid i got into self-mutilation most people don't know about i used to cut myself i used to and this is the this is kind of the ironic part i lived next to the first baptist parsonage and they had like some wood and nails and i actually behind there i would actually put nails like eight inch penny nails through like one inch trim and i used to just walk on it like barefooted and let the i'd let two or three you know probably one inch of the nails go through my feet and after a while you enjoyed the pain because sometimes when you feel the pain you know you're still alive and it got to the it got to the point where once you start get used to the pain you don't feel nothing so then you come numb to everything you come to if people do you wrong eh, no big deal i'll just cut you out of my life so i think this is probably the first time I didn't want to cut somebody out of my life, and I knew there was something. I knew God purposely put us as parents over our children to steward over them. Amen. The Holy Spirit allows us to steward children, even though we're ignorant sometimes. And so I think the last straw, I finally had to come because most of my life I had dreams of suicidal thoughts and killing myself and shooting myself and hanging myself. And I really believe in my weird sense of humor, dry humor I have, it was actually the Holy Spirit just trying to say, you need to die to yourself. You need to die to yourself. You need to die to this flesh. You need to die to this, the mind that gives you fear and the things that you see. And, he, and finally, it was, it was the last night I was done with her at that time. That was finally, I could say that because she knows. And I was like, I'm done. I called Pastor Greg. I said, you know what? It was a Sunday night. It was probably about 9.30 at night. And I'm like, I'm done. I'm done. I'm done. And I'm content. I'm content with that. And, and finally, I just went into her, and I just told her. And I said, don't freak out. I said, but I think I'm just going to kill myself tonight. I think it's, I'm, I'm just I'm done. And finally, I just, I just screamed the name of Jesus. Probably the first time I ever screamed the name of Jesus, literally. I said, Jesus, you need to open up my eyes to the darkness that is, surrounds me. Like, I'm, I'm completely entrenched in darkness. Please open my eyes to see what is, go, what is wrong with me. And it, I told her just straight up, I said, it's time for you to go time for you to pack up but the kids are staying here kids are cool here i'm their provider because i was manipulative and since she's a stay-at-home mom some of you stay-at-home moms probably know what this is your husband will hold that over your head sometimes well i'm the one who makes the money you don't do nothing 
go hire a maid and go hire and we'll see how much I mean, she probably makes more money than me if you really add up what it costs to do the cooking and the cleaning and taking care of the kids and the daycare and everything and running to the hospital multiple times later on down the road with Lola but you want to interject on anything you good <laughs> yeah, he said I'm done pack your bags and go and I said I'm not leaving so um I mean, it was our, I mean, it was finally our come to Jesus. I think we tried to just do it in our own will, in our own way, in our stubbornness. Um, and it, it wasn't going to happen without, you know, crying out to Jesus and um, just really getting the Holy Spirit involved um, to heal us both because we were both extremely hurt. I mean, we'd hurt each other in multiple ways and, um, emotionally and, uh, and so. But now we laugh now. Well, we, well, we laugh cause we can now, but, uh, it's kind of like the worst thing that could happen in our marriage, but it was also the best thing that could happen in our marriage. Cause it was really weird. It really took us because we could have been content and been happy and lived in a marriage of mediocrity and just keep it average. Like, well, we're raising our kids. We're doing good. We're not fighting too much. We're not screaming and yelling or throwing too many things this week or next <laughs> week or something. And because uh, I, I, was, I was very vocal. I'm a very vocal person. And uh, scream, screamer now. And I kind of joke with my class. It was like, they need, I need you to speak up. And I was like, through my, through my process of healing, I don't scream no more. Like, I can't physically scream. Like, I, like that, except for our son was wrestling yesterday and lost my voice. But, it, but it's like, I don't have, like, a voice of anger no more. And I think that was finally, you know, I had to get, I had to, well, I had to work on myself. First it was through mental illness first. But luckily... I was in my second year of factory. It was factory Bible school at that time. Now it's called train. So I was in my second year. My first thought was, and this is your first thought when you're going through battles, you're like, oh, I need to quit going to school. I need to to spend time with my family. And, you know, and you're naturally, that's not it. And the Holy Spirit was like, no, you're good. No, they're fine at home. Of course, you know, when you're gone for three hours Monday night and Tuesday night, that is, that's hard on your family, especially when you're struggling through your marriage and you're like, cause you're natural actually, I need to be there. I need to be there. And, and then since God changed me, our love language is switched. She's not really the touchy touch anymore. And I'm like the freaking, the, <laughs> I'm like the Velcro. I'm like. I'm the like groper. a pounce on you, <laughs> like a puma, just searching her out through the house. You guys know how it is as men. You know, you hear the shower turn on. You're like jumping. <laughs> you hear a shoe. You hear a shoe hit the floor. <laughs> and it just changed. It, it, I, and she probably drives her crazy. Now she's like, God, get off of me. <laughs> But we'll be it, kissing it, and Cole or Nora or Abel walk into the room and they just do a 180. And <laughs> but it's a, it was just allowing me, I think, God God changed my heart. God literally got that stony heart of Amen. deception and manipulation, which is witchcraft. I was, wasn't into witchcraft as of crystals and doing weird stuff with Jenga, or not Jenga boards, whatever, the Ouija board. It's, you know, I just was manipulative. I was yeah. manipulative. That's, and I had to do that. And now, I'm going to say this. I know my boys are going to probably text me later. I cry a lot now. <laughs> I cry. I, I cry during service a lot. I cry watching commercials. You can watch a commercial and cry. The sun. That's pretty bad. But... Amen. Glory. And it's like, I'm just, I'm always on this edge of like, and now it's kind of weird. I was like, I see my gifting. Uh, I, now I really truly see what my gifting is Amen. because unfortunately, unfortunately, but gratefully it was like 2019. Pastor Greg is like calling me out in a service of what my gift is. 
And I started crying because I was like, I've been ousted. Because <laughs> everything you try to hide in your life, the Holy Spirit will use someone <laughs> to reveal it. And then after that, it was really an awakening because this was 2019. So it was really an awakening of what was fixing to happen in 2020 and in our lives. And, mm-hmm. and so you had recovered your marriage. You guys were doing uh, much better. And then you, your family was continuing to grow. It grew, yeah. And, well, it was also while we were battling through our marriage. You know, my dad passed away mm-hmm. during that process. And uh, so that was another, I think, setback. But I think it was another thing that was a trial. That's all it was. It was a trial. And we had to realize that we are in a constant trials that grow us and mature us. Mm-hmm. Luckily, bring stability to us because you know sometimes now when when our when we got the diagnosis with Lola, uh, you want to talk about Lola since it was. That's fine. I'll let you. <laughs> yeah, as we were going through what we were going through, I was pregnant with Abel, and we're a firm believer. And if if something's going on, God will send a child, and. Um, <laughs> So he was kind of our uh, our reconciliation baby. Um, I mean, a lot of the troubles, I was pregnant with him, but afterwards is when we really started um, to heal us. And so we had Abel, and um, by that time, Cole and Nora had already formed a very strong bond. Um, Abel's, what, five years younger than you, Nora? Yeah. And... Um, we thought, well, this isn't going to work. Abel needs a buddy. So we decided. I always knew I wanted three. I, I have two brothers, and I knew I always wanted three myself. And so then we knew that Abel indeed needed a buddy. And so we got pregnant again, uh, and God sent, gave us Lola. Um. Everything was going good. I was a, a a geriatric pregnancy. I was 35. That's really old for a pregnant woman, <laughs> apparently. Um, and so they were keeping, you know, a close eye, but I felt great. Went um, for the big anatomy scan, and they were concerned about um, my placenta because it was laying really low. Um, and so they referred us to a high-risk doctor. And um, we would go from there. So while we're at that appointment, I'm getting, like, the world's longest ultrasound. And we're like, what is going on? And she said, well, I just can't get a good look at her heart. She said, you've got a, a rib shadowing her heart, and I just can't. So they had me on all crazy positions trying to... And she said, okay, I think we've got everything we need and sent us to a, an office and said the doctor will be in in just a minute. And um, so we're sitting on this little couch together in the, in the room. And the doctor walks in and he says, well, basically the whole, your heart is divided into four sections And they said, basically, the whole middle section of her heart is missing. And so um, he said, and it's very um, common in children that have Down syndrome. And so (laughs) if that's not a punch in the gut, I don't know what it is. So I cried. Like I had never cried. I started laughing. He laughed for a minute and then. I started laughing because I knew it wasn't. I just knew the words coming out of his mouth were just fear. And I was like. He was not a godly person. I was like. I was like we just went from a three bedroom house. And graciously got a five bedroom house. And we got another vehicle that was bigger. That could support our four kids. Our almost basketball team. And, and I was like, this doesn't make sense. And so I was just laughing and I know it was a spirit laughing. 
And next thing I know, my emotions took over. Next thing I know, I got the ugly snot, cries, tears, and, you know, next thing I know, and I'll, of course, you know me, I refer back, not to the word, but I love my pastor. He's the first person that I called, and he's like, hey, I'm sorry, man, I'm in Oklahoma City right now, I can't really talk, and... And it was really, it was really honestly good that he couldn't talk because it allowed, okay, let's wrangle in these emotions and let's just really see what God wants to do. So was it the next meeting? I'll let you. Well, God works in mysterious ways. And so uh, Janet was living with us, Daniel's mom, and um, she was getting the house painted and recarpeted that our old house she was moving into. We traded houses with her and so we got home and Janet was there with Abel and she knew immediately we had not received a good report um and she just held me while I sobbed and she said it's gonna be okay it's it'll be okay everything's gonna be okay so he said come back in a week and we'll do an amnio to um, check for uh, confirmed Down syndrome. So I said, okay, um, if I knew then what I knew now, that wouldn't have even mattered. But um, so I did that, and then um, he said, okay, make an appointment for the following week, um, and we'll have the, the report. So Daniel and I went back together. And um, he said, your daughter does have Down syndrome. Um, And the most severe heart defect that I've ever seen. And he said, um, I was 26 weeks pregnant. And um, he said that we could abort her. And we said, no, that's not... That's not an option. And he said, well, he said, you could just have her, and instead of medical intervention um, in medicine, you can just let her um, live. Maybe it'll be two weeks or two months, and she could just pass. And we said, no, that's not an option. And... um, He said, well, do you have other kids? And we said, yes, we have three other kids. And he said, well, they're going to hate her and resent you because you're going to have to spend so much time with her. And he said, your marriage will end a divorce because it is so hard to have a child with Down syndrome. Most marriages don't handle it. And I said, well, you don't know who our God is. Amen. (laughs) And after that, I don't even remember the rest of the appointment. It It was just a fog. I went back to my regular OB doctor, and I said, that man will not deliver my baby. And she said, I will deliver her. And, um... I think what we had gone through in our marriage was just a stepping stone and um, helped to equip us for this news that we were going to receive and um, how we would handle it. Because that's one of the things that we talk about now, especially later in life with Lola. We're like, how do people without... God and Jesus and the Holy Spirit make it. We I, we still don't. I mean, I know they're they're pulling on their own strength is what they're doing. And so I guess when we gave, I guess when Christy had actually had a C-section with Lola, uh, it was. I think you know that's when reality kicks in because you know everything's safe, everything's safe, and I think with her placenta, it was. Pretty much with her placenta, it was like over her cervix, right? And it was ripped. It and, yeah. 
it had separated. So it's called placenta previa, and it had separated, and there was only two vessels that were holding my placenta together. And they said if they were to rupture, um, that Lola would die immediately, and it wouldn't take long, and I could die also. So I was put on bed rest. But So I was just going to the, I was just trying to lead up to that where, just showing, I just really, I really just want to, you know, it's just, I love talking about Lola because, and all my kids, because you can just brag on, it's really bragging on God. Yeah. It's like you have doctors and fear mongers, and I absolutely despise a lot of doctors now. Because <laughs> I think the, I think, and I think we've realized in 2020 how much we are being, how much doctors push medicine and ill treatments that should never be put on people. And life would be better, I think, if you just allow the Holy Spirit. Because our, our first natural reaction is just, let's just ask the doctor. And I think actually through the birth of Lola, we got some wise advice from a, I still don't know what she's called, a hospital. She's like, it's a lady that knows every single thing about the body. And she kind of woke up, just told us, she says, you're your child's advocate, not the doctor. And she says, you dictate what happens in her life. You dictate what medicines they take. Don't take vaccines, every vaccines, procedures. Like, oh, I think we need this procedure. No, it doesn't make sense to us. It doesn't. We're not doing it. So we did 21 days in the NICU. 21 days in the NICU. And, you know, you're still struggling in life you're still struggling like how are we gonna you know luckily i think she was in the i think it really prepared us physically because we got rest for 21 days because they don't allow you to really sleep in the NICU because they don't make it comfortable for you and they don't give it to give you but since they have low muscle tones most kids with down syndrome have low muscle tone she couldn't nurse so it came to the fact where christy would pump why I fed Lola, and you had to feed her every three hours on the three hours. So if you start feeding her at midnight, you got to feed her at three. So it's, it doesn't matter when you're done. It's not that plus three. So usually I take an hour. She would throw up 90% of the time. She would throw up all her feeding, all her medicines, and you got to start over again. And you finally get the bottle downer. And then because they were adding breast milk and high-calorie high supplements, you would add to it. And... So that created another, well, if you're, if you're throwing up literally 80% of your meals a day, she got into failure to thrive. So that was another stint in the hospital. And then we finally, that, the, the line between her heart surgery, they wanted to get her to 10 pounds. And we were at that point where the, what is it, the lungs overtake the heart mm-hmm. and it's almost like you just can't do the surgery. So we were, you probably know more technically. Well, they, during, like, you're basically, you start to drown almost in your own fluid. Your lungs become so saturated that um, you're basically just drowning um, in your own, I guess, whatever the, I don't even know exactly what happens, but... um, they wanted her 10 pounds or six months old, and when she was nine pounds and just shy, I think, of around six months. Yeah. Um, and we couldn't wait any longer. We had to have her heart surgery done um, at that point. So this is where God's even more awesome. He loves to show himself off. And you think you're going through trials, and you think your kids are suffering, but God's just like, you know what? This is what the enemy is trying to take and destroy. He's like, let me just show my thing right here. So we get to, we get, we show up at six o'clock in the morning for surgery. Pastor Karen and Pastor Greg show up and they witnessed it too. You know, we prayed before the surgery and everything and the doctors come in there. All right. With this procedure, you know, it's an 80% probably we'll have, you know, 80% we're going to, I mean, it was like going to like 80% we're going to have to come in here maybe a year, six months, a couple years down the road, and probably just do a little touch-up and have another surgery. And so after the surgery, gosh, how long was it? Six hours, seven hours? So after about seven hours, because they pretty much, since your heart's done, they just get like a mechanical heart, and all your blood just 
flows through that little machine and everything. So doctors, you know, always got to give you a number, a percentage. They can't just say you're healed in the name of Jesus, <laughs> especially when you're two, two of the best surgeons in Oklahoma. Yeah. One's a Catholic and one was Muslim. So, of course, I had my Lake Church hoodie on every time I was in the hospital. Cause, and we'll get to that a little bit represent. later. So, yeah, I, just, I was going to represent, you know, God and Christ and everything. But yeah. they came in there and they said, well, that was kind of like their comment. Well, uh, she has absolutely no leakage on the left side. And then on the right side, it's just a trace of little backflow leaks. He's like. Guess if I got to put a number, he's like maybe 3% chance that she's going to have a heart surgery. And these are, you know, these are the doctors that have meetings every Friday about our, like, I forgot how many doctors were that have just a meeting about our Lola. And they're all saying, you know, 27 years of experience. This is the worst heart I've ever seen in my life. To go from that to, I guess, 3%. And we're like, ha, ha, ha. I just laugh. I laugh a lot now. Trevor gives me hard times when I, I don't know why I'm going this way. Like when I, I don't mind casting demons out of people that are oppressed. I actually, I actually make fun and laugh at them. And I like, I torment them Yeah. because I've realized my authority. And really what I do is I joke and I laugh at people, the spirits that come against you're like, ha ha ha. You know what? Every, every benefit that you wish you had, I have and every authority that I have, I can speak. And yeah. you can't do nothing about it. And I just laugh and I giggle at demonic spirits now. But anyhow, we'll move on. So now she's rolling down the hallway and then we go into the room. You want to take over from the room? After her surgery. After her yeah, surgery. Yeah. yeah. So she had her surgery and um, got her set up in her, her room to heal and um, in the PICU. And uh, everything was going smooth. Um, and good. Uh, we had been at the hospital. It was a long day, and so Daniel was finally leaving. I think it was around 8 or 9 o'clock um, to go home to be with the other kids. And um, I'm sitting there chatting with her nurse, and um, we're talking about our dogs, just, you know. And in the hospital room, of course, there's all kinds of, you know, monitors and alerts and whatnot and we're talking and all of a sudden she just jumps out of her chair and hits this button on the wall well if you've ever spent time in the hospital you hear that mechanical alert that goes on over the sound system that says code blue well Lola's heart had stopped beating she was in complete heart failure um, next thing I know, about eight other um, PICU nurses come running into the room, and I, I think, what is this going to do to her after just being operated on? And um, they're starting chest compressions. Um, and so it's a very strenuous task. I've never had to do it, but they say that giving CPR is very um, strenuous. So they would take turns. Um, they'd each just go a couple minutes um, of doing chest compressions and then switch off. And I backed up to the couch, and um, I sat there, and it was like the Holy Spirit, it almost became like a dream. Um, like I got, I had a peace and the Holy Spirit had just fallen over me. And um, so they finally, she had um, an external like temporary pacemaker wires sewn in to her heart. And they got a box hooked up to it finally that would work. Um, after about 20 minutes and got her um, restabilized. The next morning, that night she coded like three separate times before they finally got her stable. Then the next morning, Daniel came up and the doctors came to do rounds and we said, well, let's just see what happens if we turn off the box. So Yeah, so that's when I showed up. She coded again and after she coded, they got it was 
This is another brag. I love, that's why I love to brag on God. Here's another point. <laughs> so, you know, you got doctors that are in there that just, you just know that they are not spirit-filled at all. And, of course, when you're spirit-filled, the all-knowing is in you. And you know the answer but when you subject that to people that are puffed up in knowledge and have been doing this forever, because see, I have, a, I have a relationship with the great physician, which they didn't realize. They have a great relationship with academia and knowledge that they're relying on, which thank God there's doctors out there, nurses. Don't get me wrong on that. Nurses I love. <laughs> nurses I love. Nurses have a heart for it and a passion do some of the craziest things in the hours they have to work. And so after they get the external pacemaker on there, you know, they something is going wrong. I know what's going wrong with them. They just like, the battery's dying. So they hook up another one. These like, these are brand new. They hook up another one. It's just this, it's about yay big. And it's just a box. And they hook the wires up. And they're like, I was like, what's going on here? Because I asked tons of questions, so I at least know where their direction they're going. They're like, she's lost her P wave. And your P wave is kind of like this little boop, boop. And then you got the big deal. Is that right, Rhonda? Right? Yeah. You get the little doop and then choo choo. And it, she just had the choo She just had the big one. She didn't have the P wave. And they couldn't get it and couldn't get it. And I said, well, just unhook the pacemaker. Well, now we've already seen, you know, they're like, we can't do that. You already seen what's happened. I said, unhook it. She don't need it. She does not need it. So they went through about four more that day while I was there. And I was just like, unhook it. And I was just like, Holy Spirit. I started praying. I was like, you're going to have to unhook this thing. The wires that were in her heart came off and fell out of her. (laughs) So now they're kind of like. Uh, we can't really hook another one up now. <laughs> I told you, you know, <laughs> Holy Spirit knows better. <clears throat> and yeah. next thing you know, is like literally like three minutes. It was like, boop, boop. And that P wave was just instantly. And they just kind of looked at me and went, they don't know. People, they don't know what to say. <laughs> and I don't, I don't. I didn't talk ill will to them. I didn't talk mean to them. I, I just said, let's try this. And next thing you know, she's got three, you know, she has three chest tubes, just a fluid coming out and tons of blood and fluid and everything. And they have a, uh, she's got IVs. I mean, she has, she has so many scars. I say that this girl has 200 scars is nothing. Hopefully a guy digs chicks with scars or something. <laughs> Because she has, she is scarred up everywhere and all on her inner thigh, and they had to pull out the what's that main vein that runs through your through your artery, one of those arteries, and they had a they had a IV there, and actually the Catholic doctor and the Muslim doctor came up to me. They said there is a. They looked at me. And they said there is an absolutely zero percent chance. That when we pull this out and re-stick it in there, it is not going to hit the same hole precisely at everything, the same debt, same hole. It said, we need you to pray for us, please. So I started praying. I started praying right there, praying in tongues. And it was just like, boop. She goes, amen. I was like, glory to God. So these are just, it was just stepping stones of trials and tribulations that just keep growing and growing and growing as people's like oh i'm on a trial this is it's it's really to grow you and mature you that's it because now we something like now anything happens in our life especially when we start facing issues with Nora's back we're just kind of like nah, it, like some things were just nothing and you want to elaborate like you want me to keep talking we're going to go a different direction <laughs> Through your to, through your marriage trouble, yeah, and God working through you, maturing you, building your character, through your giftings, and then through Lola, you guys, you guys allowed God to grow your faith yeah. to such a level that um, 
his word became the first thing in your life, the first thing in your mind, the first thing in any situation. His promises, they became what uh, you immediately began to speak on and draw from in any situation. And so you guys were telling me you faced um, some things with your other kids that just seemed like not that things were easy, but they just didn't seem hard because you knew how faithful God was and, and all of the things that he's already done that you were just, it was just easy to rely on him and it was easy to uh, just take him at his word and, and trust in that and be strengthened and strengthen your family. Um, so you raise your kids in the church. Your kids go here. They're involved in our youth. What does your family dynamic look like now? And what would be the one thing that you would tell people that is the most important thing to to keep your family close and together and healthy? I would just, well, the main thing is the Bible. I mean, it's some people read it just like a book, but it, it's it's living. It's a living word, and it will quicken your spirit. It will bring you knowledge. When we met with Rebecca, I said, you know, I felt like going through high school, school was not my thing. Um, and just what the Holy Spirit would reveal to us um, through, you know, after our marriage, once we learned we could rely on him for, you know, our strength and our um, guidance, we learned to apply it even more so Um once things came with Lola, and then once um, 2020 in COVID came, you know, that would change anyone if you let it, and um, so when our older two started falling into things they shouldn't have, it was illuminated so much more quickly than if we didn't already know that we could just, boom, all, just Holy Spirit activate. <laughs> and, um, and, you know, reveal the things to us that we needed to address and have the, um, the courage to have those hard conversations. Because I said, you know, in parenting, the late nights are hard. The potty training is hard. But as your kids get older the problems, you're still going to have problems, and they're going to change, and they're going to have less kid problems and more adult problems. And if you're not prepared to have those hard conversations with them, um, they will just go by the way of the world. And just being able to just straight up tell them, the devil has duped you, and no, um, I reached out to Pastor Karen during that time to um, get extra support and um, just knowing that we have, you know, this place um, that comes alongside us when we need the help but has also taught us um, how to do it, you know, and to just um, use the word to... uh, And I just think, like... elaborated just a little bit you know pastor greg kind of just vocally said out loud what am i get my gift i think it was, it was really a preparation that's why i was going earlier and i stopped because it was a preparation of what was fixing to happen because because the holy spirit is always preparing you it's like you don't see what's going on but glory to god i got a god that knows my footsteps yes. and knows what lies ahead of me Amen. and and i think I think it allowed me, and he gave me a book. He said, here's a book, read this. And once I read the book, The Veil, by Blake Healy, I read this book, and I'm like, this dude's a weirdo, too, like me. <laughs> and and I had, to do the, I had to do the audio. I can't read books because my mind is so wired, mm-hmm. just wired different where I, did, I can't focus, and I still can't focus a lot of times. And even still just reading scripture, I have to like, I have to pray, like, you need to stop my brain, quit thinking. So I am pretty good about 
what are you thinking? Rhonda brought it up when they were talking, like, what are you thinking about? She'll ask me that, too. I'm like, nothing. <laughs> like, literally, I've, I've got my mind. To, I can stop it. And that's really where my gifting comes from because once I stop it, because once I realize, once I stop my mind, my earthly mind working, that's when the Holy Spirit works through me. Amen. Because then I'm kind of like, well, that's weird. I, why would I even think about the? I mean, it was it was probably one of the things that here's a here's a weird thing. I don't know why I'm sharing this now, but uh, I had a vision out there when we were in church in the Commons area, and this is when you clear your mind and you know the Holy Spirit's working. And I saw Pastor Karen lay a hand on another woman's breast. So in the natural, I'm like, am I sick pert or something? Why am I, you know, in the natural, like, why am I thinking of this stuff? Why is this? And I was like, this is not work. This is, this is not it. This, I'm like, why would I be thinking of Pastor Karen, another woman? And, but the Holy Spirit was actually revealing to me that there was a woman in the sanctuary that had 70% of her left breast had cancer in it or tumor and they said, I think they said it was cancerous. And so once me, and once that woman came up, her husband had to drag her up there, thank God. And, and right then, it was just like the Holy Spirit says, go get Pastor Karen. And we laid hands on her. And when I speak, I speak descriptively like your doctor will say this. He will laugh. He'll be confused. The, you know, I, I get into detail. I don't get into like someone has backache well everyone has back problems nowadays if you're over 40 i'm specific because i want to i want to show how good god is in the holy spirit well i will say that your left mole that has looks like a clock or something but that's how specific the holy spirit is that's amazing because i don't know these things that's why i can brag on him so when you get someone's attention you're like oh this god that you speak and talk about all the time is real and so we're in 2020, and, and I think it was a release. When Pastor Greg said that, I think in a corporate setting, I think it was finally like a release of me of not thinking that I'm weird and demented and have multi-personalities because I think so many different directions and I see in a different world and I live in a different world that is not reality most of the time. And that all just came like instantly. It just was like when he said that, it was just like I started crying. I was like, it was just like a healing to me. It was like a, all the authority Amen. through the Holy Spirit was given to me to use this for his great doing. Amen. And so next thing I know, I'm like walking down the hallway during 2020 because there's nothing to do during COVID because they want to shut everything down. You just go outside or you do nothing. And luckily, Pastor had the unction of the Holy Spirit say, you know, we're not going to stop service. We're going to do mm-hmm. stuff every night. And I watched that, and it grew, and it grew, and it, it really gave me more boldness. And, I, you know, I thought I was bold at that time, but it gave me more boldness and authority. And I was just walking, like, down our hall by the TV, and I don't want to sound like this is a Trump deal. I was like, I don't trust China. <laughs> that was my deal. I, I was like, I don't trust China. And I said, I don't trust anything in the Far East. I don't trust anything over there. And I don't trust anything that's from Asia. And anime popped in my brain. I said, what is up with this anime? And and so the Holy Spirit was like, I don't know how I got on. I just Googled something. And I got onto this forum. And it started talking about kids and people that were like past anime Watchers, they said that they will actually take on the character of their favorite character. They will dress like them. They will speak like them. They'll have ticks and weird sounds and weird noises, and they will start dressing like them, and they will identify them as that. And this was just like within like five minutes of walking down the hall saying, I don't trust China, to the Holy Spirit revealing me that was going on in my house. The next thing I know... I'm casting a, a demon that I have all the authority in my house that was in one of my kids' rooms. And what I realized once I saw the demon, I said, Holy Spirit, you're going to have to reveal this demonic spirit, or what's this spirit? And I realized the person that sleeps in that room is this, it was my bedroom as a child. And it was my demon. 
It was my demon that attached. So sometimes your past life will dictate sometimes your kids because I didn't deal with my problems. Now my kids had to deal with that problems. So once I casted it out of my house, you know, I still see it. I still see it a lot. I see it at camp and I see it outside here sometimes. And it was just, it was a, it's preparation. It's a preparation of, I don't want to keep talking about myself, but, (laughs) but the Holy Spirit is just amazing at what, what he wants each and every one of us to do. And you're, you're, you think your struggles, man, I don't know how I can get through this. And I don't know how we got through a year of our marriage, um, especially with me being like a, a puma now. I'm like, I don't know how I got, went through a year without, you know, intimacy. Like then it didn't bother me, but now I'm like, man, I couldn't imagine a year not kissing my wife, holding hands and being affectionate towards her. And I'm just, I guess, grateful for the Holy Spirit, I guess, yeah. awakening me. And that's the hardest part is being humble and yeah. saying, I don't know what I'm doing. I don't know the answer. Please help me. And I think we struggle with, I need help. And we like to do it. Yeah, we know who has the answer. Yeah. So, yeah, that's right. Amen. Amen. Well, I want to thank you guys for sharing with us. Aren't we glad that they (laughs) let us into their life a little bit today? We know the struggles... You guys have went through, some of us know about them, some of us don't. We see your family, we see your kids around. You guys are a blessing. It was great for you to be up here. I know it's not easy. (laughs) It wasn't easy for us last week either. But we sure appreciate it, and I'm sure everyone else does. Um, I just want to pray over us. You guys want to join me in prayer, or do you have something to pray with them people over the people about? Or I can I can let Daniel lead us in prayer. That'd be good. Pray for this for the families here today. Can I just love the Holy Spirit? Do you care? One second. Is Justin Buchanan still here? Okay, Justin, when you were up here playing the guitar, this is awesome. I love seeing people's angels. In your left hand, you had a staff, which represents, like, long-suffering and kindness. And in your left hand, you had, like, a goblet that was pure gold, and it, had, it was, like, diamond-encrusted on top, which would be weird drinking it. But the Holy Spirit wanted me to reveal to you that was, like, life and longevity and prosperity. And then you had this outer shell of, like, old cloth but underneath it was a pure garment of white and the, the hems and all the seams around the wrists and around the bottom were inlaid with like gold, silver, and purple thread. And, I, and the Holy Spirit just wants me to say it is time to take off the old garment and walk in the new because the past that people see you in, the new man that you are now, the new father that you are in Christ... He said, that is what's going to carry through through life. That is that. He said, when you, when you raise that drink, he says, this is the life that dwells in me. And when you drink it and you speak authority into your kids' lives and your relationships, and you don't care about what the past has happened, because once you strip that off, God never sees your past. He sees the glory that's in you. He sees the greatness in you. He sees the life. When you start speaking into people's lives, when you start speaking into other relationships, and you say, God is the one who got me through this. The Holy Spirit revealed his true identity in me. And you will walk in the pure identity that you are in Christ. Amen. 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 Glory. (laughs) Glory. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. (laughs) Amen. Man, I get fired. I get fired up. I love sin. (laughs) You know, we we don't realize this is the crazy. I got to speak this. This. I know we're not supposed to be praying, but now. We sometimes we take our gifts and we hold we this we don't esteem them as the way we should. Mm-hmm. We don't realize that the gifts we have in this house mm-hmm. are global and worldwide. That Pastor Greg and Karen could go to Dallas, they could go to New York and have a ministry of thousands and thousands and thousands and thousands of people, and sometimes. We take them for granted, and I know I've taken them both for granted. I've been pissed off at both of them. I probably shouldn't say that. 
an offense. I, offense will take you a different direction. An offense will take you out of the church that you belong to. Yes. And, but the, right. thank God the Holy Spirit says, I know Pastor Karen's rough when she speaks to you. But she's doing it in love. She loves you. She loves you. She loves you. But see what I see in Pastor Karen is she is actually, when she speaks and you think it's it's hard and rough, she is actually speaking to the spirit that is behind it. It's kind of like she's working behind the scenes on your behalf. Now, Pastor Greg, he's just too gracious sometimes. He allows people to speak when they shouldn't. But amen. I'm going to let you pray because this may not stop. The Holy Spirit, where's JL at? JL was spot on when she was talking about the soil up here. It's a soil, it's a soil that needs to be fixed. It's not the seed. The seed is always, vision is always casted out here. But it's the seed that really Amen. can't accept it because, man, I can... Amen. I could keep going. I better turn this thing off. I'm going to pray. God is Hallelujah. good. Hallelujah. Thank good. you, Father, for this time together. We thank you, Father, for your word that is filled with life and light. The word that penetrates hearts and clears minds and opens eyes and ears, Lord, to receive of your goodness, to receive of your grace. Holy Spirit, fill us with the power of the Lord today. Fill us with his life. Help us to see and understand all that we are and all that we have. Thank you, Father, for your goodness and your graciousness. I give you praise and glory that you love us, that you care for us, that you always are mindful of us, that you purpose to lead us and guide us in all the ways of our lives. I thank you, Father, for Christy and and Daniel up here this morning. I thank you, Lord, for for the example that they can set for us, for the testimony that they can share with us, and for the witness of God, of your grace and your mercy that they have given to us today. I thank you, Lord, that we can look at them and see your love and your grace, and we can know, Lord, that that you love us, that you have the best intentions for us, you have the best planned for us that your way is higher, and that we can trust you, Lord, and we can depend on you. I thank you, Father, for all that you have done for us and all that you continue to do every day. I thank you, Lord, that you look out for us, and I pray and speak a blessing over everyone here. May they be prosperous and filled with all the love of the Lord and all the grace of your Spirit. In Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. If anyone needs prayer, we'll have our ministers up here afterward. We can pray with you about your family, about any issues that you have. If you need healing or just someone to agree with you or someone to just come alongside you and help lift your hands and hold them up so that the Lord can bring whatever blessing he has. We'll be up here. They'll be available. Thank you so much, and we look forward to seeing you on Wednesday.